0: Welcome to Stories from the Center of the Universe, the podcast about the human experience.
1: Rich Dalton, welcome back to the Center of the Universe. This is your third time on uh, Stories from the Center of the Universe. And I I just have to say, you've connected me to a couple of really cool folks. Um, Actually, I'll start with Clint. Uh, Clint's led me to uh, a nephew that's done incredible things. Uh, he's going to connect me to some other folks that are. I'm just fascinated by, but I'm, I'm still fascinated by Clint. What a, what an amazing guy! Uh, he was the first person you connected me to, and I'm, I'm like, I don't think it gets much better than Clint.
0: <laughs> Does that sound right to you? Uh, yeah, I, Clint is my mentor in, in so many different ways, and so many different life. Clint, Clint's an amazing man. Uh, yeah, I, I love that man, and and he, you know, just so many, so many different aspects. He's changed my life.
1: Yeah, he, uh, he's the kind of guy that if you surrounded yourself with people like Clint, you, you, you'd be, oh, gosh.
0: Shape, right? I'd be on, on top of the world. Yeah.
1: And then the other person you connected me to was Joey Beltran. And uh, Joey, I, I was very happy at the end. He said, hey, that was a lot of fun. Or he said, that was fun. Um, and you, when I brought up Joey before we started recording, you, you said something that I was like, holy cow, tell me more. And you're like, ah, that's his story to tell. But I think at a high level, you can – Tell me uh, about the thing you said before we recorded.
0: Yeah, Joey's another man I, I absolutely love. You know, was one of my main training, MMA training partners for for many years. Um, and 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 he honestly he, he he saved my life. He he played a huge role in saving my life. If it wasn't for him, I, you know I don't know if it, you know, but he um he helped me you know figure out how to get into rehab and and, and kind of walk me through that process, um, with knowledge that he had and and who if it wasn't for him, like I said, uh. You know, maybe I would have still gotten to rehab, but it, who knows how much longer it would have been.
1: Yeah, so you, you have a, uh, a a soft spot in your heart for both of those guys. Oh, right?
0: yes, without a doubt.
1: Yeah, and I, and I got a chance to talk to them because of you, and I uh, absolutely enjoyed uh, both conversations. Um, and I, I I wish them nothing but the best, just like I wish you nothing but the best. All right, so just to do a uh, high-level recap of our the first couple of episodes we did together You've lived in a few different places in the U S at one point you end up with your, your mom and your sibling, a sister, right? Yes. Uh, (laughs) My wife was really good friends with your cousin, Sharon. And I think, I guess it was Sharon's idea. Like uh, Paul should have Rich on the, on the podcast. And so that's our connection. You, You graduate from school. You end up spending a little bit of time in college, but you also did the uh, Marines as a younger man, canine police officer. You just, you wrestled for uh, a good chunk of your older uh, childhood into your 20s. Um, you're still involved in wrestling to some degree today, but you've also oh, yeah. uh, done a lot of martial arts uh, that led to you doing MMA. Look, I played football in high school. You did too, Rich. It takes a certain uh, mindset to play football at any level, I think. Um Especially the higher you go, obviously, yeah. a special mindset. But, it's, but, uh, I think you have to have a, a stronger mindset to wrestle. And I hate to admit that because I never wrestled and I used to give wrestlers great for being shorter than me. Um, yeah. but the, but to do MMA is a special level of, uh, toughness that I, I can only imagine. I, I can't really fathom. And you did that for, for a while. Uh, and so you're, you're definitely one of the, the tougher people on earth for having done that. Then you uh, obviously there's marriage. You have a couple kids. Uh, you end up being a DOD police officer out in uh, California. You're at 29 Palms, I think. Uh, Camp Pendleton. Pendleton, sorry. And then uh, you, you run into some addiction challenges. And I I, I think that's mostly what we're going to talk about today. Uh, sort of this journey through really bad spots in your life, man. I and you know it. Uh, Better than I do, I'd love for the audience to to get some detail that you feel comfortable talking about as it relates to being in and out of addiction Uh, and then to the place you've you've landed and you've been in for a while now and you feel like you will never go back to those bad places um, because you figured out how to live a life where your mental health is has never been stronger. And it's so strong, you can't imagine a life where you go back to those those dark places so before we get into all that one thing that i wish i had talked about i think in the last episode and it's a it's a weird thing to bring up based on what i just said but i I need to check this box tell me the lyme disease part of your story
0: um so while i was in my second rehab um i was just got put on suboxone which is a, a medication to help you get off of opiates all while it's another opiate um so I just gotten on my on thyroid medication again because I had been diagnosed with hypothyroidism probably 10 years prior. And so uh, I started getting really, really fatigued to the, to the point where I was sleeping nine, 10 hours a night, still exhausted, uh, falling asleep, standing up, talking to people, like just dozing off, um, in the middle of conversations, um, getting kicked out of a meditation class for, for dozing off and snoring. Um, the VA got me a job, you know, for four hours. I I'd check in and, and then 20 minutes later, I was trying to find a spot to sit down and, and, and close my eyes for 10, 20 minutes, just to, you know, or five minutes just to, 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 and I, I didn't know what it was. So I go to my doctor and, 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 she does some tests and that happened to be something that was her expertise. She brought it up for my initial check. Um, and I don't know if she forgot to check that, you know, to test me on that or if it came back negative, but yeah. So then she, I, I, you know, after, I don't know, maybe a couple days she t- comes back oh i got the results and i jokingly said oh you know is it cancer and and she's like no it's lime and, and with a big smile on her face and i think that's because she knew how to treat it and and, and but yeah that was um uh, you know I, I think that played a big part in my role with my mental health and my depression and and, and everything else that was going on in my life and and, and uh but yeah that fatigue and like you pointed out, I, I've been a Marine, a cop. I I, I know fatigue. I, I, I you know, there's been plenty of times where I spent many hours, you know, or many days, you know, not sleeping and working, you know, a lot. And this was another level.
1: And you had probably had it for, it sounds like a few weeks, before.
0: a few weeks, a few months, you know, maybe years. Um, I, I assumed I got it when I got out there and got bit by a tick, you know, in the grass, but You know, I have some different theories on, on, on Lyme is, you know, just because it's one of those, that there's no distinct test for it. They're just looking for markers. And I think those mark, because everybody I've met with Lyme also has some severe mental health issues. And, and so I, it makes me wonder which came first.
1: Yeah. You'll probably never know. Right. Yeah. There's there's no, I mean, you can make some educated guesses, but you, you could probably drive yourself crazy. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I I knew a guy that when I was in the army, um, we were out in Missouri somewhere, and and he got Lyme disease, and he had these really weird concentric circles on his back. And I don't know that that's from the the bite location or if that's one of the symptoms that some people get when they get Lyme disease. But he was – they knew almost immediately what the problem was, and he was completely – out like he 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 was conscious but he could not move he it was the most exhausting thing he said he could ever possibly imagine and that's when they they caught it early you were living with it for who knows how long
0: yeah I, and that was my theory is that they caught it early they put me on uh, antibiotics um immediately she went a little bit heavier than she normally does um as far as the dosage wise and on top of that not only was i trying to you know take care of that with I was also trying to heal from all these mental health things as well as addictions to drugs and so I think it all coincided perfectly with me healing and, and as I was I was just trying to focus on my health and my health and wellness and then you know slowly all the symptoms of that and, and many of my other diseases started slowly going away
1: hmm. yeah it's uh yeah like I said before impossible to tease apart uh what was impacting you when uh, so out of, I think I want to start with this notion of throughout your life, bef- before addiction, um, during addiction, what were some of your mental health challenges? I mean, you mentioned depression, but what were your other challenges? And we can talk at length about, uh,
0: your depression as well. So I, I think I was probably depressed, you know, from I think around fourth grade, um, my dad, my dad shot himself when, when I was six and then my mom never told me the truth until I was in fourth grade. And, and we moved. That was the third or fourth time we moved. And I kind of just realized this, you know, as I was, you know, self-reflecting that we were kind of homeless for about a year. Um, we, we lived with my aunt, we moved in with some family, friends, moved back in with my aunt, lived with somebody else and bounced around in Florida for a bit after moving from Massachusetts. And then that's when we eventually moved back to Jersey when I was in fifth grade and moved in with my aunt and, 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 you know, Sharon and Michelle, my cousins. And, um, so I think that's when it kind of started. I I remember a lot of the red flags, you know, coming straight home, eating food, um, you know, snacking a lot, uh, kind of pulling back. I started gaining weight in fourth grade and fifth grade. And, And honestly, that's when I think my addiction started, which was to food, which, uh, you know, I wouldn't have considered that an addiction at the time, but obviously it continued on and I had weight issues for the rest of my life. And I was constantly told, and my mom was constantly told and everybody else was constantly told, Oh, he's just an angry kid. His dad died. He's just angry. He's just angry. So that's what I lived with. or And I thought for the next 15, 20, 25 years, the idea of me being depressed, Oh, or having PTSD. Heck no. I didn't think that, but looking back, um, I've been diagnosed with, PTSD with depression. Um, I, I, you know, as far as the symptoms go, I had all the symptoms for ADHD, for you know, even bipolar disorder and, and many other things um, without being diagnosed with them. Um, just many days with on top of the world, and then can't get out of my bed for the next two or three days. And, and that went up and down most of my life since fifth grade. Fifth grade is when I started thinking about suicide and killing myself. I started cutting a little bit mostly on my arm where it couldn't really be seen. And, uh, I think I was just screaming for attention. I used to, um, bang, you know, bang my head against the wall, br- uh, break things, punch the wall, put holes in my door. I was just a very, very, I had a lot of anger inside me. And, and once I went in the Marine Corps, obviously, you know, I didn't want to admit that then, nor did I know what to admit. I never wanted to, um, put it in any kind of diagnosis from PTSD because I didn't want to lose my job as a Marine. I didn't want to lose the opportunity of becoming a cop. I didn't want to lose the opportunity of being a father. I was just, there was just a lot of fear to ever admit to any of that or to get any help for any of it.
1: And so it sounds like at some point in your life and and knowing your story um, decently relative to the the common man, you started to uh, mature in a way that you allowed yourself to be vulnerable.
0: Now, yes. Oh, yeah. now, now, now I'm an open book and, 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 and as I hope to share on this podcast here. I, I, I want to open up all the, I want to open the closet up and, and let all the skeletons out, you know, of everything in my life, you know, and that's not for me. Cause I've already healed all that, but it's, it's more so so that I can share with other people because I know there's people that have gone through some of the dark moments that I went through and, and, and know and need to know that there's a way out. And like you brought up before, The reason why I don't think I'll ever go back to those dark ways is because now I have the keys and the map. So even if I ever was to, I know how to get out of it.
1: Yeah. So your comment about not being able to get out of bed for two or three days, or you'd have fits of rage that you just chalked up to anger, like those had to be confusing times for you, whether you were 35 years old or 12 years old, that had to be really confusing. Like you, you felt bad, whether it was anger or depression or both. And I imagine it was triply frustrating because you you had no idea what was causing it.
0: Oh, I, I you, oh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, and, and I, I brutalized people. I, I, that's not a good word. I, I terrorized people. My mom, my sister, my aunts, my cousins, my ex wife. Um, and, and that's something that's, you know, I, I still really am coming to grips with because of that. You know, I'm sure you know the same "misery loves company." And that was me. I, I my mo- I love my mom to death. I have nothing but wonderful, amazing things. She tried so hard. I, I, I know she did. I, I watched her and, and I have nothing. But I think because of what she went through with my father and everything like that, she tried to step up to be my father or, or this masculine figure. And, and all while doing that, I think she kind of, you know, kind of left the feminine or, or motherly side. So, and, and she really didn't know how to do either. And, and so... I don't really remember being hugged or held or told I love you. And I'm not saying these things didn't happen. I, I I just don't remember them. And so to me, it just, it was, if it did happen, it wasn't a significant part of my, my upbringing. I don't really remember hugging or say, tell my mom, I love her until I was 18. When I went off the Marine Corps, and that was because I was, you know, scared. But prior to that, I just you're right. I was confused. I didn't understand. And, and, and I, I remember fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade thinking, you know, why me, why me, why am I the only, you know, I didn't know anybody else whose dad committed suicide. I didn't know anybody. He, heck I, I only know. If, no, I didn't know anybody else whose, whose dad died. A couple of my friends had, you know, came from broken homes as well. And that's why I think we, you know, came, became friends, but I didn't know it. And so in my mind, I'm the only one who doesn't have a father. I'm the only one whose father committed suicide, well, you know that victim mentality, and th- and that was all I knew.
1: Yeah, and victim mentality. And look, we can all we, we all feel like the victim when things don't go our way. I, I think the trick is figuring out how to get out of that mindset as quickly as possible, so you get to a position of strength. Because b- being in that position of strength certainly feels a whole lot better.
0: Oh yes. Oh wow yes. All
1: right. So you were you were a I mean look you you weren't a perfect kid growing up um, you you. May or may not have been a model Marine. I I, I assume you were a good Marine. Um, drugs was something that you're like, that's what other people do. The, the, <laughs> that's what people that can't um, be responsible or accountable for their own actions. Other people do that. I'm not yep. one of those people. Oh, yeah. Um, so l- let's talk about when uh, your addiction to drugs. And, and you've talked about, you mentioned it on this one, addic- addiction to food. Addiction to sex, addiction to all kinds of fun things. I really, and and we can go wherever you want to go, Rich, but I really want to talk about addiction to drugs because there are so many people in this country and across the globe that suffer from addiction to various drugs. Some of them are prescribed, some are are illegal. Um, There's been a debate in this country for a long time about uh, maybe everything should be legal or everything should be regulated and everything in between. But when did you... uh, first begin the
0: journey of addiction so so um to go back to what you just said yeah i i hated people i i judged the heck out of people that did drugs i thought they were disgusting heck people that smoked weed i thought they were potheads and losers and and that's uh, you know the programming that i took on you know especially going the routes that i i always played sports i was always being tested uh you know being a marine a cop i was always being tested and those were the people I hung around. Um I'd smoked weed twice to impress some girls when I was 18. I think I took one or two hits. I think I tried it a handful of times in my 20s. And then, you know, and nothing else. And then um I think I was about 32 or 33, I had a deep cut on my shin and they prescribed me some some Vicodin and Norco's and that's that's when I was on. And um I was on that for for a while and and it was causing a lot of problems with my marriage and I finally went cold Turkey after getting caught doctor shopping. Um, I was going back and forth between my insurance and, and the VA and they caught me and I went cold Turkey for about a, uh, maybe a year. And, but I also wasn't doing it martial arts anymore. And so my outlets to deal with that anger, I think that all got turned on my ex-wife and, um, unfortunately. And I, I think I, a lot of anger, Verbally, I never physically harmed her, but looking back, I, I think the verbal abuse that I, I gave her was probably worse than the physical abuse. Um I, I, I never thought that at the time because I was I, I kept telling myself I would never hit her, never hit her and, well heck, I'm a big dude. And, and she doesn't know that. She doesn't know what's in my heart and my mind. But that being said, um, so we got divorced about a year later and and then that was probably, you know, or she asked for divorce a year later or so, and then um and that was probably when I got back on them. I, I think that's when I, I made up a complaint or, or an excuse, you know, to get it from the doctor again. And then it was on. And that was in 2011. Yeah, I think it started in 2009. So then 2011 is, is when the divorce started. And then the that and then the custody battles. So that made it worse. And it, that went on until 2019. And it got to the point where I was taking 35 Norcos a day or 8 to 12 oxys oxy, uh, you know, 30 milligram oxys, usually with, with fentanyl, um, or combinations of that. And and then that led to, um, you know, especially if I didn't have those Norcos, the Norcos were my, what worked for me. It, it, it was the one thing that got me out of my head and, and, and relieved me most of my pain. I would usually take, like I said, between 10 and 13 a day, which like I said, le- led up to 35 or excuse me, 10 to 13 at a time. 35 uh, about 35 a day. So I do that two to three times a day, depending on how many I had, um, which was costing me about $300 on the streets. Um, so after a couple of years, the doctor cut me off. I then was getting them off the streets from quote unquote friends. I found another doctor, um, that I went up and and was getting them from was paying $300 and I get 90 from him. They'd be gone within three days, three. You're you're spending a hundred bucks a day
1: on this habit. Um, sometimes up to $300 a day. So let's back up. In the previous uh, episode, you said that, hey, I, I've had surgeries on uh, shoulder. I think you had a n- knee surgery as well. And you were prescribed pain medication then. The difference for those two surgeries and the pain medication and uh, your deep cut on your shin was you, d- you didn't have MMA in your life or an outlet that allowed you to breathe, to have some, an opportunity to heal. And so the drugs, it sounds like
0: became the way you managed life. And honestly, you're right. And I'll be honest. I can honestly say drugs saved my life. And and if it wasn't for drugs, I think I'm still suffering with all kinds of other addictions and, and still running my head into the wall and trying to figure out what the heck's going on. And, and I don't, you know, there's, rehab for food addiction sex addiction and porn addictions are not usually covered by insurance and, and are not easy to find or get into or, or I, heck I, I also didn't think I had a food addiction. I, you know, I, I just thought I was fat. I was, but I was lazy. I, I had all these other terms in my life for myself, but yeah, they, they, I am beyond grateful for the drugs and for that, for the rehab because it did save my life. And, and the first, the other thing, the other difference I, I believe I, I've been prescribed Norcos twice for my two knee surgeries. Um, maybe for when I fractured my collarbone, but I don't think so. Um, and so when I was prescribed those two things, I think I was in a much better place in my life as well. like my mental health. And so when I got prescribed in this time, all of a sudden, all my pain, my worries, all the thoughts that would have, the could the should the, the regrets, the guilt, the shame in my head, all I wouldn't say went away, but it, 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 it kind of disappeared or at least dissipated. And I, I, that was probably the best I'd felt since I was probably 16. It, it, I take it back. it, It might've been the best I'd ever felt because I'd get home from work after a 14 hour shift. I'd pop, you know, one, maybe one and a half. And all of a sudden I was able to get on the ground and play with my kids again. And I was able to, to do things I, I had energy and, and i wake up in the morning i'd pop one and it, it wasn't like caffeine I, I i was awake and ready for the rest of the day most of my pain in my back and my hip and my knee and my shoulders went away and i i felt great ready to tackle the world so help me out on terminology when you
1: say norco specifically what are we talking about
0: so the uh, hydrocodones um so the 10, 10 milligram hydrocodones with 325 milligrams of acetaminophen or tylenol so that was my favorite. It's also known as Viking. Um, that's, that's the other brand name. Um, oxycontin, uh, the 30 milligram, that's, uh, uh, oxycodone, um, or falls under that. And that's pure. There's no town on that. So that I was getting to the point where I was, I was doing lines of that. And I I overdosed with my kids in a motel six, um, doing the line of that, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I'll be honest. I- I'm proud to say that. I'm I'm proud to every one of these stories that I'm about to talk about, as well as everything I'm talking about. I'm proud of all those moments. It, it, they were despicable and they were disgusting at the time, but I know I was in a very very dark place, which led me to all those things. And the fact that I'm out of that to me is a miracle. A- and I'm I didn't ever thought I was getting out of those places. Never mind the weight. Never mind the Lyme disease. It was just it. I remember laying in that bed, especially if I didn't have my pills for two, three, four days without showering, maybe, you know, getting maybe food delivered if I had some money or maybe walking across the street to the Wendy's or whatever, you know, or, um, or heck stealing because that, that it ended up becoming my other problem. Again, mind you, like I said, a cop, a Marine, I, I had morals and ethics, but those drugs started leading to, to bad things. As a cop, I was stealing pills from people's houses. While on call. I was, I was stealing tramadols. That was another drug from the dogs I worked with. Um, I was stealing, um, I was stealing electronics from, from stores. Um, probably I, I, my guesstimate is over a hundred thousand dollars. You know, I'd stole to, and again, these are things I would never have done in the past, but this need for these pills and these drugs was so, so strong. And um, I, I, I my body was shaking saying you have to. And I remember there'd be times I'd be driving to go meet somebody that had the pills or, or, you know, heck, meet some woman that I was cheating my ex with or, and yelling at myself, turn off, turn off, turn around, pull over. And it got to the point where I would just say, you know what, just, just roll a car, just, just drive off the side of the road and go into that car." And my body was just literally shake. And, 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 and mind you, we could say that I'm weak-minded because I couldn't over, I I didn't know how to overcome it.
1: Well, I mean, you certainly weren't equipped by anything you had experienced in life so no, no, far, no. and and as far as you knew before the addiction started, you you ne- never could imagine yourself in that situation.
0: I used to walk around bragging and patting myself on the shoulder that, uh, you know, I don't have a you know an addictive mentality. I can go to the casinos and, and and play for a couple hours and leave i can drink you know just one day this month but everything i did was in excess so if i drank you know on, on a friday night i wasn't drinking one drink it was 10 or 50 i was drinking to get for the effect i was drinking to get buzzed or drunk to forget my problems or or to to be more active or, or more social um and the same with so many other things i i just had so much pain and trauma inside me that I don't know how to deal with it. And, and, and sports wrestling, especially and that and martial arts say it was another thing that saved my life. And, and, but once that, with that deep cut and getting off those drugs and, and not, it, it got, it, it got even darker and, and, and let me right back to the drugs. So, uh, when you went cold
1: Turkey for a time, what, what drugs had you been taking before that? North so codes? that,
0: so that was just the Norcos I was just taking. So I was on the Norcos for probably about a year. I went cold Turkey. And, um, and, and that took, I was in withdrawal for probably about five or six days, you know, like more so like flu, like symptom for, you know, four or five days. And then for the next two months, my, you know, I, I had stomach issues, like severe stomach issues. Cause I had stomach problems probably since fifth grade, which I believe is from stress. Um, So after that, it took me about two or three months for my stomach to even become, because it just was either, I was either constipated, severely constipated or or diarrhea or back and forth. And, um, and so, so once I got back on it, that was one of my biggest fears was those withdrawals, which is also what kept me on them for so much longer.
1: Yeah. And so when you, you're not cold turkey anymore, you start using again, you're you're using Norco's Oxycontin and fentanyl and did you know that uh was it oxycontin that was laced with fentanyl
0: yeah I, I i had already messed with fentanyl before i'd gotten some strips that i used to chew on um like i said when when i couldn't get a hold of my norcos it was anything to get me out of my head um gabapentin uh cold medicines uh tramadol co- uh uh codeine or tonal codeine uh I, heck I, I i went to the dentist two or three times. Just to get pills, and one of those times I, I had them yank a tooth out. I don't know if it was a good tooth or not. I I, I think there might have been some problems, but good could, probably could have taken a filling and would have been fine. But I was like, no, just pull it, and uh, just so I can get 10, 10 Norcos. And those ten Norcos would last you how long? That that was at that time. That was just one, you know. So I'd pop all those at one time.
1: So at, at your height of like. I don't know how else to phrase this, the volume of drugs you were putting in your system. It sounds like, I mean, and, and it sounds like you were all, you were using prescribed drugs. I would call them semi-prescribed drugs because you were, you were doctor shopping, right? And those, that that's not completely legit. You didn't just come no. from knee surgery or something. Um, and then you've got what what's illegal. Uh, it sounds like you're taking five to 10 X of what you should have been taking if, if you can get to a place where yes, it's fine to be taking these things. Which obviously it wasn't from for most of your time uh, with your addiction, right?
0: Yeah, and and that's funny you bring that up. That was exactly my thinking. Was oh, this is from a doctor. I walked around with that pill bottle like it was the Bible. Uh, you know, I'm not joking. I I I had that ready for anybody. You know, oh look, uh, this prescribed. I, I'd have like 90 in there, and, and you could see. You know, if you looked at it for two seconds, it would say prescribed 10. And, and mind you, I'd grab whatever bottle because I carry with me at all times in case I got pulled over, in case this, or in case that. But again, at those first couple years, that's what made me think it was okay. The government prescribed it, a doctor prescribed it, I trusted them, I, I believed. And mind you, I I, I, I should have my PhD in, in all the research that I did because I was something told me that it wasn't right because I didn't feel this was you know this like the symptoms were were pretty severe as well. Um, even while taking them, I, I was, you know, severely constipated while taking them. And it just, that got worse and worse. And, and, you know, I don't know if we've touched on this, but all that led to just a lot, a lot of misery, which led to my homelessness, which led to me losing custody, of my kids, which led to me losing everything I own multiple times. Um, and, and, and honestly, there's not one thing that I would ever change. I have no regrets. And, and I know that's hard. For my my kids to to maybe hear, and for for my ex, and for even my sister and family members, but I'm the spot I'm in today is absolutely amazing and, and incredible, and and I can't wait to go into that um, after we get through um, through this part. But that addiction, I, I didn't think there was any way I was getting out of that hole. It was it was just so dark down there, and and I pushed so many people away. And especially when my mom, my mom had cancer, you know, so that situation got much worse once I found out that she had cancer because that's all I would focus on all all day, every day. I'd focus on my mom having cancer, me possibly losing custody of my kids because we were back and forth in court and I was just focusing on the negative. I, I couldn't focus on, I, I couldn't see a future. I, I, I could not see a future at all.
1: How long were you in that dark hole a- after you went cold turkey from the Norcos, but then you started using it sounds like a double-digit number of drugs. How long were you in that hole total, you think, roughly?
0: So so, so I got back on, on them after the cold turkey in probably t- 2011, um, and then it just slowly progressed from there. The, the last year was the dark hole after I lost custody of my kids, after I overdosed with them. Um, heck, even after the rehabs, so, you know, I, I was still having trouble. After my second rehab, I got arrested. It was uh, an arrest slash 5150 where – I was fighting three firefighters and two cops to the point where they had to sedate me. And, and, and they bagged me cause I was spitting on them after being sedated. And, and, and this was all because I hadn't been sleeping. I had been, um, taking large amounts at this point in time of, of cold medicine and the Suboxone that I was prescribed. So I was, I'd been off the, the other pills, but I still was struggling. This is about four, a little over four years ago. And, and I, I, this was right before COVID. So I'm in my head that, uh that the CAA is out to get me, and, and they're tracking me, and and I was, you know, going to save all the kids that were being trafficked, and I had just had all these crazy thoughts to a point where I was actually creating a team. I was writing names down, texting people, and and was going to create this team to go save save the, the, the you know the the kids that are being trafficked by contacting my cousin who used to be a billionaire, and, and maybe he'd connect me with Bill Gates. It just all all these stories in my head, and and um. Yeah, but go to go back to your to your question, um, most times it was just the norcos. And that's I, I didn't want to do anything else but the norcos. Like that was what worked the best for me. And but when I wasn't using Norcos, then it was all those other stuff. Then it was Adderall, meth, gabapen, tonal codeine, tramadol. Um I never went down the heroin 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 route, but fentanyl, weed, um, like I said, cold medicines. And I I was, you know, and and I, I, I stole them from an, uh, an AIDS victim who who had, you know, a a girl that I had dated a year prior, she called me up, let me know that she had it for, I need to get tested. So then after I found out that I, I, you know, was negative, I went to go see her to, you know, check on her, but with deep in my back of my head, thinking that she probably had some pills that I could get a hold of and. And she, she, called me on it, called me out on it. I, I went off on her and, but this, there's not many things I wouldn't have done for those pills. And, and if I would have stayed on them, it would have just got worse and worse.
1: And, uh, you mentioned CAAs earlier. What, what is that? CAAs? Yeah. Maybe, maybe I misheard you. Oh. Yeah. Well, all right. So forget that. I, I'll, I'll figure it out when I listen to this the second time. Okay. Um, do you have a, a cousin who what, used to be a billionaire or was that manufactured?
0: No, no. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he was, he was the second wealthiest uh, person in Texas. Um, you know, in the top, you know, couple hundred wealthiest in the U S and in the, the world. Um, he's big in oil. And so uh, the only reason why he's not anymore to my knowledge is because the divorce, which I don't think, I I think they stayed together, but, um, you know, great guy, you know, and, and, and so that was my, my theory on, on, I was going to contact him and, and, ask if I could intern for him or something like that. <laughs> and
1: it sounds like you had gotten to a place where you didn't know which way it was up. You, you were out of your mind most of the time.
0: Oh yeah. I, I, I remember call, I was in, I think my second sober living. I remember crying, crying like a baby walking down the street, begging my mom to come, you know, move in with her. Um, She was living with my aunt and uncle in Texas. And, and I know she was, you know, and I, I, I just didn't, I ended up like, I no place to go in a sense. So like I, I wanted to go home. That's what I kept telling myself. I just wanted to go home. But then I kept realizing I don't have a home. And so my mom said yes that night. And then the next day the story changed. My sister, you know, calls me and she's like, no, you can't go there. She's like, the, like, why would you even ask that? And, but at the same time, my sister, and my mom, nobody really understood the pain that I was in because I didn't share with them the pain that I was really in. And heck, I I, I don't think I realized how much pain I really was in either.
1: It sounded like you had uh, no concept for how to even begin to help yourself.
0: Not at all. You know, um, people would give me advice and and, and I look back and I I remember a lot of the advice that I was given and and it makes sense now. It makes perfect sense now, but at the time it didn't. And I felt like I tried it And again. I think we've talked about this. I was a personal trainer with, you know, not, not only a lot of, background in in health and fitness, but a lot of research, like that was something I really enjoyed looking into and reading about. And for myself, for for other people, um, on all aspects of it, but not necessarily the mental health aspect, more so the fitness and the nutrition aspect, which again, even those things, I I realized I went down a lot of the unhealthier paths. So people are giving you
1: what is really useful advice, but looking back at it, but in the moment, you're like, this doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. Uh, and it sounds like rehab the first time or maybe the first two times really didn't get you down the path that you eventually found. Um, looking back at it, those people that had wise things to say, could they have said it differently or maybe chopped it up into smaller increments for for next steps sort of thing? Or you just think you, you had to go through the journey you went through to get to where you are today? And it is what it is.
0: So that's a great question. So first off, I, I, I do want to say before we get to that preempt it with, I I have so many people to thank because if it wasn't for those, those people get gave me advice that led me down this path and led me down that path. And I would be where I'm at today. And and you know, my sister, my mom, my my ex, my kids, Clint, Joey, um, my buddy, Josh, um, I, I I, I didn't even want to start because there's just so many people that have helped me so many different ways. And I'm so beyond grateful to all of them, you know my, my good friend and client Marnie, my cousin Sharon, my cousin Michelle, my my aunt Julie. You know people that sent me money, people that gave me advice. But uh, to be honest, no, there's nothing they could have said. They couldn't have said it differently. They couldn't have. I I, I wasn't ready. I, I just I wasn't ready. You know, mind you, I didn't know that or understand that at the time. But I can see that now with the clients I work with. You know, you have to be ready. And, and Clint was the one who helped helped me teach that. He, he started. He he let uh turn me on to Jim Roan who was Tony Robbins mentor. And, and I'm now a huge Jim Rohn fan. And he, he, you know, when he was talking more so about the sales aspect about knowing that person that's ready to commit and, and that sales aspect also falls into place with everything else in life. And I, I just, again, wasn't ready. I, the, you, you could have banged me on the head and cause I had, I had to hit many, many rock bottoms and, and the rehabs, they did, they were great. They were phenomenal. I, the first one I did 45, I did a three day detox medical detox, and then 45 days in the lighthouse up in Anaheim. And, and that was amazing. The, the, I still talked to a couple of the uh, staff there and, and, and a couple of people I went to uh, that I went through with. Um, and then about a month or two later, I went out to, to New York to go quote unquote help out my aunt who had had some medical issues and I stole pills from her and then she caught me and I, I, gaslighted the heck out of her, which is something I realize I did a lot, especially to my ex-wife. Um, you know, and I turned it around, no, yeah. I didn't touch it. You know, it was here was him Get, and gaslighting I, is, hey,
1: what you think is reality is not reality. I'm gonna tell you what reality is. And I'm gonna keep talking about it until you believe what I'm saying. Yes. And and, and you know what?
0: I did that with my ex all the time. She'd catch me on my, you know, on my phone. She'd go on my phone and I turn it around at her and say, what are you going through my phone? You don't trust me and and, and multiple times. You know, just because again that was another dopamine fix that you know me talking to other women and me doing all those things and in the disrespect that i gave towards her I, you know i i you know she was a phenomenal woman you know an amazing mother she, she really was uh, you know this i look back at the sacrifices that she made for for you know for our children um um were absolutely amazing the rehabs helped immensely the second rehab oh uh, I, I went out to new york um, Oh, the gaslighting. We were talking about that. So my aunt caught me, like I said, I, I, I left, um, you know, I, I ended up just assuming that my friends that, you know, in my, my hometown that lived 45 minutes away, somebody would let me crash there. And I called them was very, uh, Beating around the bush about it, and, and nobody said yes, and, and and so then I called the VA, and they put me into a a, a, sh- a homeless shelter in Peekskill, New York, and I was there for t- I like think two weeks, and then got into the VA's what's called domicile program. I was there for five months, and and all those helped a lot. They really did, and that's when I got that's when I was diagnosed with the Lyme, probably a month into that, and i uh, came back was another sober living, and 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 then after that, I, you know, to to get a little bit off off track, but um. And then I, yeah, but it, well, not to get off track, but those rehabs did phenomenal things and they, they really helped me a lot, but I just still had some, some internal wounds, you know, some, ch- you know, childhood trauma, some other trauma that I hadn't dealt with, hadn't recognized a lot of shadow work, I guess you could, you know, call it.
1: Uh, so, so rehab helped in, in some ways, but it didn't fully allow you to be where you are now, um, would you say that the addiction was, and it sounds like based on, on how you just described it, it was mostly an emotional addiction versus a physical addiction. You, you weren't post rehab. You weren't physically addicted anymore. It, it was more of an emotional attachment.
0: Um, yeah, 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 probably. A, yeah. It was just, again, just to get out of my head. Um, I, I, I I overdosed a couple more times. Like I just, the one story about being arrested at 7-Eleven, like I said, ended up being a 5150. Uh, but a week before that it was three in the morning or one in the morning, our time, excuse me. And I'm watching TV and, and all of a sudden I'm watching animal kingdom and everything they're saying seems like it's backwards or mind you, I, I had taken a second dose of, of either triple C's or Robitussin probably about six hours after the last dose, which in, on top of not really sleeping very much, and the next thing I know, I felt like my body was, was, um, shut down. And I, and I felt like I was overheating and I run into the shower, fully clothed, put it on co- freezing cold water. And it's just getting worse. And I swear that I'm dying. I, I've convinced myself I'm dying. I, I beg my roommates to call. I'm in a sober living. I beg my roommates to call 911. They're like, bro, you're, you're fine. You're st- like, what are you talking? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm dying. And I was, I couldn't really talk. I couldn't catch my breath. Like, I was very, and then they got me my, my phone. I call. I, I actually called my ex wife at first to say goodbye to my kids, and I hung up after the second ring. And then I called my mom, who again is battling cancer at three in the morning her time. And I, I, I just I called her crying and say, "Mom, I, I just wanted to say bye. I love you. Um, I'm dying. I, I, I think I took too much drugs. Uh, you know. And and thankfully the paramedics got there a couple minutes later. They talked her down. But she's like, what are you talking about? You know, you're fine. You're fine. I'm like, no, mom, I'm dying. You know, these are my last words. You know, I, I want to tell you how much I love you. And and so I, I got hospitalized that time as well for a day or two. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was still a struggle because I hadn't dealt with. I hadn't dealt with the reasons behind why I was doing these drugs and why I was addicted to all these things, which was these unhealed traumas, all, all these damage that had happened to me you know me not feeling worthy me not feeling loved all these other things that i felt but then on top of that me not loving myself and just absolutely hating myself still
1: yeah so i'm guessing rehab tried to get at a lot of those causes and they may have gotten to some of the causes but they didn't get to all of them uh because your situation your addiction is unique there's there was nothing like it on earth and i'm guessing one stint in rehab is not obviously didn't find all of the things that were uh,
0: causing. Well, so one thing I want to say about that, Paul is this, I could have went back to who I was before the the drug addiction. I I could have, you know um, I could have went and got an apartment and, and, or excuse me, got a job, you know, which I had a couple opportunities for jobs. Um, I could have went and got a job, um, you know, made some decent money. I, you know, and those are roughs that I was looking into when I was going down, get, get, you know, get back into fitness, things of that nature, got an apartment, got a house and, 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 and then, and been okay. I, you know, but I, I, and I would have been able to survive and, and, and live within society, but I, I wouldn't be anywhere near where I'm at today, which took another basically three years of just a lot, a lot of work and a lot, a lot of discipline.
1: Yeah, we're going to uh, talk about that in, in a bit. Um, the the VA part—it sounds like you have a, a positive view of the VA.
0: I didn't for a long time, especially out here. And, and one of the things I finally realized is out here, they're just, in my opinion, just overwhelmed. There's just way too many military and 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 not enough nurses, doctors, and 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 so when I went to them first for, before my first rehab, they told me I'd have to come back for a week later just for the um basically uh, uh initial consultation and i and I you know kept telling them I'm like if I leave here I'm gonna get more pills and I'm they're like, well I good luck, you know, and, and so and then I think it was two days later I called Kaiser and my insurance and, and got in through there uh with the help of, of of some friends and um but yeah I the VA has you know ha- has done great things for me and, and um you know, can, can there be improvements? Oh, of course! I think it can be improvements everywhere, and I'm not going to bag them because at the end of the day, you know, they they help me immensely.
1: Yeah, I, I don't want to get into uh, politics in California, uh, huh. and you're right; there are a lot of military yeah. folks that are out in California. A lot, a lot of Marines, a lot of Navy, um, and yeah, I, I'm guessing the VA is overwhelmed in certain parts of the country, and California is certainly one of them.
0: And yeah, and then in upstate New York. I think it was a lot less, you know, and and so they, they, I had an offer to get an apartment out there within about three months and they would have paid for it for the first year. Um, they were going to expedite it. And I was like, no, I I need to get back to California because I quote unquote needed to go take care of my kids. I need. And the biggest thing I've realized with all this was I wasn't taking care of me. I wasn't filling up my cup. Uh, You know, I, I, I was filling up everybody else's cup as a Marine, as a cop, as a father, as a son, as a, as a everything. I was trying to be everybody's everything except for me. And, and that's the one thing I do every day now is I make sure my cup is full. And so that my overflow can, can help everybody else out. And, and, and now I help out. Like I said, we'll talk more about it later, but now I go out of my way to help out people that are going through this as well as the homeless and people go through addiction and and, and other situations. And, and this is my life purpose now. And, and I'm, and and yeah, there's still some struggles But it doesn't push me back To where I was I, I now know that if I get overwhelmed By this person's story Or this person's, you know, life Or whatever they're going on Rather than immersing myself in that I can take a step out Take some deep breaths Refocus and and, and, and continue on
1: Your cup's been uh, full for a while, right? And, and you, you have to work at it It's, it's a daily thing that you have oh, yeah. to work at But I, I think you've gotten, like Early mid morning, your cup is full, and and you're ready to help other people, and it's probably therapeutic for you.
0: Oh gosh, it saved my life.
1: Yeah, go go ahead, Rich. Sorry,
0: I was just gonna say. So after after um, that second rehab, I'm in a sober living, and I I I I meet um, a great woman off a dating site. Um, We kind of move a little bit fast because I'm getting kicked out of the sober living slash voluntarily, voluntarily leaving. Cause for many reasons. And, um, you know, within my head mostly. Um, and so i moved in with her, I lived with her for 11 months. I pick up another addiction, Kratom, which is a, um, uh, a supplement that you can buy over the counter. And I was just taking large doses of that. Um, and, and that became a bit of a, but again, my health journey really, you know, started continuing there. I started eating, changing my diet. And, and she was very helpful on many, routes but at the same time i was still in my head about so many things and you know the last couple months we're together i get this job out in orange county and i don't know if you want to go on to that now but um that was a very interesting chapter in my life as well
1: well well, before we go to orange
0: county how many times do you think you overdosed (sighs) I, i i guess it really depends on what you know I, I used to only say that one time at the motel but you know I I'd have to say at least you know that that time of the 711 the time of this you know, sober living there was another time that I was at a VA uh sponsored event where I took some pills um and, and woke up on the floor of in a bathroom stall uh, I think an hour or two later so I kind of think that might have been an overdose um because I, I really don't remember it you know it wasn't like I took it and got drowsy and fell asleep I, I just I remember sitting on, you know, on the toilet seat, and then, you know, waking up like an hour or so later. So, I mean,
1: it it sounds like four or five. Yeah, I mean that that, that's a lot of overdoses, Rich.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, and that that you know the the one uh, when I was in the motel that led to pneumonia, and I was hospitalized for I think three or four days and put on uh, oxygen um that as well was also probably my third or fourth time getting pneumonia in that last year year and a half of my addiction um so my 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 physical health was was really deteriorating um in so many ways multiple you know cases of pneumonia um m- multiple cases of, of of just illnesses and sicknesses on top of my b- body falling apart it got to the point where i couldn't do one push up i couldn't hang from a pull up bar So my egos is also going nuts now trying to figure out who the heck I am now, because I've always been this big, strong man now and I can't even push myself off the ground or or lift myself off the ground. And and that again, drew me back into a deeper hole.
1: All right. Let's talk about Orange County. And you, you still were addicted uh, for this part of your life.
0: So uh, in a different way, you know what I mean? And mind you, none of these things I considered addictions anymore because I wasn't in the the hole I was before, you know what I mean? I, I was pretty proud of myself. I was off those Norcos and the addictions were, you know, stuff that was over the counter and things of that nature. And, um, so yeah, I, I get a job working, um, security for doing underground poker games. And this is in the middle of COVID. And so I, I get that job and, and again, mind you, I'm a cop. And, and, and so I, I, and mind you, I didn't consider an underground poker game. I, it was just in people's homes and, 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 and they were very, and very nice homes and penthouses and mansions and things of that nature. And, and I was pretty proud of myself because I was making a lot of money. I was patting myself on the back. I'm, I'm li- after I, the ex and I broke up, I ended up moving out to orange County and I, I basically start staying where we're running the games, you know, at this, in this penthouse in Irvine. And so now I'm working the games and I'm, I'm living in a penthouse. I got pockets full of money. I got a, you know, I got a car and, and I'll be honest, I'll pat myself on the back because I'm like, Oh, Oh, excuse me. Take that back. Let me rewind. I'm doing this job out there doing the security and I'm, I'm still with my ex. I go to work, come back and that's it. You know what I mean? And and I'm making money. I'm saving money about to buy a car. Everything's going real great in my mind. Uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm going to, you know, I, I think I, within a couple of months, I saved up quite a few thousand. I'm doing really, real good. And things are great and uh so i go decide to go visit my mom in april of 2021 and so i go visit my mom and uh while i'm there uh basically a week and a half after i'm there she passes away and i didn't go there for her you know she had cancer but i didn't she i wasn't going there to say goodbye i i was there I, i was honestly contemplating moving there i had brought everything that i thought i needed in case I decided that I was con- contemplating looking at apartments because the ex and I were kind of butting heads on some things and not seeing eye to eye about some stuff and and um and so my mom you know got an affection and 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 the passing and so I again not a deep hole a dark hole I I don't I don't really remember much of the next three days I, I remember staying in that in in the, we were in an Airbnb and I remember staying in that room for three days I think the second day I finally came out for dinner. The third day it came out for, for lunch. And I think the fourth or fifth day, my sister, my aunt comes in and is like, Hey, um, you don't have to go home, but you, you can't stay here. You know, like what, what's your plans? And my mom had left me her car. Um, so and now I have this car that I need to drive back to California or come get, you know? And so I ended up driving it back and it ended up being one of the most, um, healing things ever, you know, driving it back by myself. And, and so I get back to orange County and my buddy that I was working with all of a sudden, he's like, Hey man, you know, it's on, you know, and and starts telling me some stories about what's been happening. And, and all of a sudden next day I know I'm getting not addicted, but involved with Coke, um, Adderall, um, and the girls there, the girls that I'm working with and, and, and other girls, you know, getting massages and, and again, spending this money, not buying lavish things or, or anything like that, uh, but I I'm spending the money on other things um, in, in a sense. And so uh, I, I was patting myself on the back walking around. I'm like, I got this. You know what I mean? You know, it's been a couple months. My mom passed away. I got money in my pocket, a car, I'm in a penthouse, but all those things didn't make me happy at all. Especially on the days that I wasn't with anybody or didn't have my friends around. And I didn't know many people up there. So that was the other problem. But the, you know, I had some huge highs there, but some drastic lows. And like I said, I really thought I was doing good because I, I didn't have to do it every day, but I, the hours I was working, I was working 12, 14, 16 hour shifts, usually getting off at six, eight, nine, ten 10 in the morning, only sleep a couple hours. And then, you know, I need something to wake me back up again. And then, and then back to that. And then I'd, you know, there'd be three days where I, I didn't leave the room or, or maybe I'd go get a motel and I'd stay there for three days or two days or whatever. And, and so I, I had some great experiences, but also some, you know, some really big highs, some really lows. And, uh, I ended up crashing my car, you know, under the influence and another woman that saved my life. She was the second person that passed the incident after I told my car on the, on the four hundred five. I get out of the car and I'm trying to clean up all the dirt that's now covered the, the exit lane. Cause I, I nailed one of those uh, yellow barrels that are filled with water or dirt because there's a construction area. And I nailed that head on. Um, but I'll be honest because I was in the influence, I think that's what saved my life. And I got out and I look at the car. Car was starts Second person, she pulls over. She asked me if I'm okay. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. She's like, you sure? I said, no, oh, I'm fine. She's like, have you been drinking? I said, no. And well, I'd been up for the last night. I'd been up since this is one in the afternoon on a Saturday. i had been up since the day before. Well, i had been up since the two nights before, but I've been partying, um, since about, um, two of the afternoon the day before, but I wasn't drinking. I was smoking weed, maybe doing a little bit of Coke. And so I didn't think, but then I, she's like, are you sure? She's like, I smell it on you. She's like, I'm not trying to judge. And then I'm like, oh crap. I just had two uh, white claws right before I left because I wasn't planning on leaving, but I was going to deliver some coke to somebody. Um, you know, one of my clients. And so I was like, I said, yeah, yeah, I, I have. And she's like, I know you don't know me, and you know you don't trust me, you have no reason to, but just do me a favor, go grab your stuff, get my car, and 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 I'll take you wherever you need to go. And for some reason I didn't hesitate. And if it wasn't for her, I would have sat there and waited for the cops to come and, and I I would have arrogantly been thought I thought I was fine a- until I was in in handcuffs and and in jail because in my backpack I also had you know probably a decent amount of coke and Adderall I might have had my unregistered gun um, and you know I, I was under the influence of at least three or four different substances.
1: So this is now roughly mid twenty one.
0: Yep, you've been twenty two.
1: Mid, sorry, mid twenty two.
0: Uh, tw- yeah m- late 21 probably
1: late 21 you're uh you're you're still clearly battling some demons and you're and you're self-medicating in, in some ways um but you've been clean now for how long
0: at that point in time clean from the norcos for almost two years okay and, and so, so-
1: so you're in a really good place now. How long would you say you've been in
0: that good place? Oh oh right now? Oh you're speaking of right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, before we get to right now, um just to finish off Orange County, that that you you would have thought would have been a rock bottom for me to get out of there and and and, and that wasn't. I, I you know went back into that lifestyle for another month or two or a month, month and a half. And the last day I was up there I was involved in a home invasion where three guys came in with guns um to, to rob the place normally i would have been working but the game had been called early we didn't have enough people there um another game had started up it was just a friendly game so i was downstairs trying to sleep because i had a jiu-jitsu tournament two weeks prior and at this point in time this month month and a half i've really been diving deep into my shadow work and i was doing a lot of healing i was getting real healthy Uh, physically i was in the best shape of my life um i was fasting i was eating real real clean organic and um and so This home invasion was, you know, that was what spilled it over, especially when I found out that they were quote unquote looking for me. Um, and yeah, I I think the reason why they were looking for me is because they knew that I did security there. And so I think either they wanted to either take care of me or just make sure that I wasn't going to cause a problem. So that, but long story short, as I was downstairs, I just heard some commotion. And it was just a lot of loud noise up there. I couldn't. I didn't know what was going on. I had no idea. And and I remember knowing that my gun was twelve feet away. And I remember going through all the thoughts in my head probably within thirty seconds if I would grab my gun, go upstairs. And in mind, you, I have no idea what's going on. But one of my thoughts is that you know somebody was stealing from you know it was just a fight. And, and some of the people I knew up there were were heavy hitters. And I'm like, do I walk into you know? a situation where there's eight people that I don't know, you know, and I knew a couple of them, but I, I, something just said, grab your bags, which were at the end of my bed and get out of there. And like I said, I, I remember going through all the thought process in my head. If I grab my gun, if I go upstairs, the stairway, you know, would leave me open if you know it. And, and, or if I propped up at my door, I was thinking about how the, I had sliding glass doors behind me and on the side of me and, and all the rooms had sliding glass doors. So somebody could come behind me and I don't even know why I was thinking about all these things. And so I just grabbed my bags and left, and um, and I and I called the. Well, as I'm leaving, I see smoke coming out, and I get a you know get a little ways away. I see everybody in the house running and, and fleeing for their lives. I call 911, and not till about three or four hours later do I find out what actually happened. And um, and, and I, you know, my roommate and I we went up to Big Bear to you know, get away from the situation. Cause I'll be honest, I thought they were going to arrest me because of my gun. I left my gun there Well, wasn't, you know, wasn't registered to me. So I was worried that that was going to come back and all these other things. So we got a big bear for a couple days. And when we come back, I, I, I was like, I'm done. Well, somebody robbed the place. And, and that's what I was like, I'm done. You know? And I, and I left and I came down to Oceanside and, and I've, I've, like I said, done some very, very drastic things to change my life.
1: So I was going to ask you, uh, you beat me to it. I was going to ask you how long you, you've been in this great place and, and what sparked you to begin that journey of, of healing. And it, it, you just answered it for me. So I appreciate you uh,
0: anticipating my question. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it kind of started like when I when I was in Huntington Beach. Probably about, uh, well, it, obviously it had been going on for a while, um, but I, I really was diving deeper into it and really getting some answers when I was in, in on the beach. I, I finally felt like I was in a safe place. Um, it was the first place that I unpacked my stuff the first day that I was there. And I, but I was only there for a month. And then I came down here, back down to San Diego County, Oceanside. I came back down in August of last year. And from, from then on is when, I, you know, I re- like I said, really started making some very drastic changes in my life. Um, with just everything. Well, what, what were those drastic changes? Ooh, um, basically just giving up almost everything else in my life. Um, so right now it's been about a year, a little over a year since I've, I've watched any porn masturbated, uh, had sex or even dated a woman. Um, um, I have well, it, it, yeah, yeah. Dated a woman. We'll, we'll say that. Um, uh, I, my living situation, I, I was living, in a motel, you know, motels. When I first came back down here, then I bought a car and I started sleeping in my car down by the beach, that car broke down. And then I got it. Now I'm borrowing a car from my, from my boss. And most times I, I usually sleep in my car down, down by the beach. Um, he lets me sleep upstairs, um, at the gym, but most times I don't, I have a client that lets me stay at Airbnb and, um, I'll take her up on that, you know, on occasion, you know, once a month or two, but Honestly, I, I prefer to sleep in my car because of many, many reasons. Uh, I've changed my diet. I've changed my habits. I've changed my lifestyle. Like I said, I, I make it a priority to fill up my cup first so that I can, I can then with the overflow, fill up everybody else's. I I try my hardest never to take any, any pay for anything. Um, most of my, most of my clients, I, I, I train for, for absolutely free. The only money that when I do get money, I spend it on, on gas to, and food um where i'm working at now with the martial arts i made a deal with him where he pays he puts money on on a card for me to take care of food and then uh the rest of my pay takes care of a couple uh clients of mine whose kids uh train theirs so i could because they were used to be homeless so um they don't have to pay and uh I, I i try not to consume anything more than what i need and this is still a lot of you know things i need to work on um but I finally found peace, and and and, and Huntington Beach is where I, I first noticed that I found this peace, and I realized that that's what I'd been seeking. You know, I thought I'd been seeking happiness and and all these other things, and then when this peace rushed over me, that's what I realized that that's what I've been seeking the entire time.
1: It was it was right there the whole time, man. the whole time. It, it's so hard for people to even recognize that that's probably the answer.
0: And Paul i'm not joking when i say that that the idea of that never even crossed my mind you know peace um but again regularly daily i I do breath work i do meditation i am always out in nature in the sun these are things that i didn't do for a long 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 time um and and if i did do them it was you know very very inconsistent um and it it was never for that purpose the intention wasn't there um, whereas every day I make sure I get sun every day I make sure that I'm out within nature every day I make sure I'm doing some deep breath deep breathing deep breath work um stretching fitness each and every day I make sure you know that that I'm again a discipline disciplining myself and uh, that
1: sounds like that's the majority of the answer for how you fill your cup up each day
0: oh yes and, and with that being said I haven't been sick in a little over two years i haven't been injured in in more than that um and, and mind you the ailments that i i have a list almost a page long of ailments that i used to go through stomach problems um a tear in my ab- abdominal wall that i you know that i never you know got surgically fixed uh arthritis uh scoliosis degenerative disorder arthritis in my knee and my, sh- my shoulder and my back uh, lyme disease uh, and just again a laundry list and i don't have symptoms of any of those things anymore i have some tightness and and muscle imbalances is still in my body from all the injuries and all the trauma that I'm, I'm still working on but now i can hang from a pull-up i can do multiple pull-ups again i can do push-ups again i'm working on getting my black belt in karate um you know which is scheduled probably for for um uh, june I'm, I'm learning spanish and japanese i'm um, I'm reading the Bible. I'm learning, and it's not even that I'm reading the Bible. I'm I'm learning the Bible because I've read the Bible before and it just never made sense to me. And and, and honestly, the Bible, more so the, the connection with Jesus, is really what helped me uh, with all these other New Age holistic health practices. And then I started seeing how they related with with Jesus and what the Bible said, especially when it comes to breathwork and fasting and and healing. And that really, I guess. You know, exploded me forward.
1: Yes. Can you imagine uh, being better from a from a mental uh, physical health? Maybe you can improve a bit, but it sounds like you're in a really good spot with your physical health. And and can
0: you imagine your mental health being better? Oh, I, every day I know that I'm getting better and better and, and strong. And, and like my flexibility, I'm almost at full splits, which I've never even came close to that. Uh, you know. um Every one of my, you know, I, I plan on taking my body as far as it's possibly, you know, able to go. I, I plan on being able to teach myself how to do backflips, front flips. Um, I'm, I'm probably the fastest I've ever been, but I think the back—I know I'm the fastest I've ever been. Um, whether it's in a sprinter in distance, um, I, you know, my injuries are going away. Um, well, the, the, my injuries are gone. You know, my—I'm—you uh, know—I still have some some disfigurements, such as a bunion of my toe. That's you know very crooked, which I I'm sure is, you know, caused a lot of my, again, misalignment throughout my body. But, um, there's still a lot of things I need to work on. There's still a lot of, but I know that will come as I, you know, and I finally have faith in myself. That's what I never had, Paul. I never had that peace. I never had that faith in myself because now I know that someday somehow I will be together with all three of my boys. I even believe that I'll have a relationship with my ex-wife again one day and, and even her husband who I'm sure still hates me rightfully so um, as well as her family and, and all these other people that I hurt because I, I, I know where my, my heart is. I know where my intentions at. And, and I truly believe, you know, somehow, some way, especially if I release myself of the expectations of the who, when, where, what, why, and how, and just know that it will happen someday.
1: Yeah, I've only known you uh, for, what, a few months now. Um, your, your story of dark, dark places, um, not understanding what was entirely driving that for most of your life. Uh, but to, to know you for the last few months, I'm like, I, there's no way you went through all that. But you you said it. Like, I had to go through all of that to get to where I am now. And, and, and you know what?
0: I, that's why I'm, I'm... – I'm so grateful for it because all the things that I thought were gibberish, grounding, breath work, meditation, um, fasting, all this holistic mumbo jumbo. I didn't believe, um, chakras, things of that nature. They're all the same. I, I know the Bible and, and religious call it calls it prayer and, and, and other things. And, and then yoga calls it this. And then this religion calls it that. And every, everybody's, they're all the same thing. And I think we're all arguing over the differences rather than focusing on the similarities. And if we focus on the similarities, which is what I started doing, that's when my life became so much more peaceful because I used to love to argue. And if you ask Sharon that she'll, she'll she'll, won't even hesitate. That was probably one of my biggest pastimes. I would argue with my mom, my sister, my ex, uh, my cousin, um, any, anybody online that even, you know, I, I, I would seek out arguments. Uh, were those dopamine hits? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and again, that, that misery loves company idea.
1: Yeah. So Rich, I, I'm, uh, I'm ecstatic that you are where you are. Uh, I, I wish you nothing but the best. And let's, let's end with this. Um, if there are people that are struggling, well, let me, let me make another comment. The fact that you get so much, uh, pleasure is not the right word, but fulfillment from helping other people is so much, is infinitely more valuable than you actually receiving payment the way we would think of about a payment. You get money for your services sort of thing. You, you've you become non-transactional. It's not a this for that thing anymore. You yes. literally just want to help people and, and to your, you got to fill your cup up first, you help yourself and then you help other people. Um, I, I can't imagine myself being at a, at that place. I, I can't imagine 99% of humanity, but
0: I think you found your version of Nirvana, man. It, it's, it's yeah. Uh, honestly, like I'll be, I'll be honest, you know, and I have a lot of theories, but I, I truly believe that heaven and hell is right here on earth. And, and I, I truly believe where I was living before was definitely hell and where I'm living, you know, now is heaven. And, and, and if you, if, the way I read the Bible, the Bible says the exact same thing. I, I believe that's what Jesus was saying: is that the kingdom is within us, and the and the kingdom is upon us. And and, and I think that what that means is right now. And, and I think it's a mindset. I truly, truly, wholeheartedly believe that. And, and and the transactional comment that you made, I use that a lot because I realized every relationship I had before was transactional. It was. I'll do this for you. What are you going to do for me? And even if it wasn't straight up, okay, I'll do this for you. But in three months I'll, I'll remember, I'll, and I'll come back and, and ask for that in return or, or whatever the case may be. And, and that's, you know, that's not why I'm doing it now. I, I'm, you know, I'm doing it because I remember how much pain I was in, how much suffering I was in and how miserable that was. And the fact that I'm at where I'm at, I would feel horrendous if I didn't give back, if I didn't share my story. like And that's my purpose now is to share my story and and, and to walk with people on their path, not to force them on my path, not to force them onto a's path or a religious path or walk with them on their path. You know, I, I have clients that have called me, you know, that, that are trying to get sober that have called me, asked me for, for money or asked me for booze and I'll go buy it for them. And, and I, I, again, I want to meet them where they're at rather than trying to force them to be something that I want them to be. And, and so I just try to be there to love them and care for them and show them that I, that, that I understand. And that I can, and, and walk with them and, and I guess do the best that I can. I,
1: I mean, I think we've touched on several lessons learned throughout this conversation and in the prior to, but if you could boil it down into the biggest lesson you've learned, uh, based on the journey that we've tried to articulate through these three recordings, what what would you say the biggest lesson learned is? I think the biggest lesson
0: to learn is, is is every one of our goal should be to heal ourselves, to heal our inner and outer wounds and be the best version of ourselves that we can be. And then from there, that light can then shine outwards. And and, and I think that's what changes the world. I think if each individual works on themselves, because again, like I said, nobody could have helped me get sober unless I was ready to get sober. Awesome.
1: Rich, I I know from, uh, since the last recording, uh, you were really looking forward to this because I, I think, and I don't want to speak for you, but I think you thought this would be the most important conversation because you would be the most, uh, laid bare, the most vulnerable and, and really sort of say, Hey, here's, here's the crux of my, Journey through very painful things to a much much better place where I'm helping other people in really powerful ways, uh, and so I hope this has done what you uh, had hoped it would do. And uh, l- let me ask you this: anything else you want to touch
0: on? Um, I guess a big thank you to you and, and to anybody listening, as well as to everybody that helped me on this journey. And like I said, I listed a couple of names, but you know god my mom my sister did so much to help and just again i i almost don't want to say anybody's name but again i had so many mentors people that i've never even met such as joe rogan the sad guru and jay shetty and jordan peterson and 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 all kinds of just you know different philosophies and, and 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 i just you know i think we all need to fill up our cup and if we all fill up our cup and find peace within then that will then extend outward
1: uh, I think we're gonna leave it at, at, at that, rich. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, thank you paul i've uh, i've I've learned a ton from these conversations, and I am I've said it before, but I'm very happy you are where you are now, man.
0: and I, and I, I, I thank you for that and I just want to say I guess I guess I'm gonna take it one step further. I think love is the answer. I, I think that's what Jesus was trying to tell us was that love was the answer. I think Jesus was trying to tell us how to live. and if we just love everybody and everything in ourselves, then that will shine outwards. And that was something I couldn't do until about a year ago was look in the mirror and tell myself, I love, love you. And it wasn't even that I didn't love me now. It was all the different other versions of myself that I didn't love. And now I can truly say that I do love every version of myself. I forgive every version of myself. And, and I know that I'm just going to continue to move forward. I'm continue, going to continue to heal, not let my past burden me or, or hold me back, learn from it and move on.
1: Beautiful. Thanks, Rich. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it
0: thank you for listening if you enjoy this episode please subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts we'd also really appreciate if you'd rate and review us you can find us at scotipodcast.com